Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode five of Walk On Radio. Dal Meyer here with Humphreys. Like always, this is the training camp episode. And as of right now, it is Monday, August the 3rd. Sam Houston State Bearcats and the Southland Conference is still having training camp. Humphreys, how do you feel about this year and training camp coming up in about a week? Well, I'm uh, certainly excited. Uh, I think 2020 uh, is going to bring bring a lot of a lot of fun times for football. Uh, hoping hoping we get a normal season. Uh, right now, seems that everything is full go. Uh, so that's how we have to treat it. Uh, tramp or camp starts Friday, and and I'm excited. Uh, what do you like best about training camp? I know for a lot of players, it drags because you know you're coming in every day. You're pretty much staying in the field house. But what do you like about training camp? Training camp is definitely definitely a grind, uh, especially college college and high school training camp are, are two different animals. Uh, I'd say with with college, the hardest part for sure is is all the meetings. Uh, the practice part's fun, and I, that's you know just getting out and competing every day uh, against against your own teammates. Uh, it's probably the funnest part for me, but I'd say the hardest part is is the countless meetings, and you you know what I'm talking about, but. Position meetings, unit meetings, team meetings. I mean, it's three or four a day easily. So talking about training camp, I figured we couldn't have a better guest than a man who's done it about 70 times. Uh, we have joining us Isaac Sly. He's a former Georgetown Hoya, now Sam Houston State Bearcat. He was an all-conference fullback, uh, as he likes to say, even though he played tight end still. Isaac, how are you doing today? Uh, Dalton, I'm doing great today. I'm happy to be here with you guys. Um, excited to be on the show. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I've been around for my share of training camps and, you know, we're back at it for one more round. So I know that the Patriot League and Georgetown, they did postpone their season into the spring, correct? So how do you, you know, you've been, we've all been kind of looking up at it. We've been paying attention. What do you think is going to happen with this year? Do you think the Southland's going to move to the spring? Do you think all of FCS is going to move to the spring? Uh, what do you think? Um, you know, I know the Patriot League is one of the first conferences to um, delay their season um, to spring, and you know it was kind of heartbreaking. It's my that's my family out there. Um, my boys won't be getting to play this fall, but you know the Southland and Sam Houston State are full go. Um, it's definitely interesting to see everything develop, but from everything that we're told and everything that we're seeing, we are full go and we're still full go. And, um, you know, I'm kind of anticipating that we will continue to be full go and that we'll be playing football in some capacity this fall. So it's just kind of how it feels right now. Now, I know that, you know, me, me and Humphreys has worked out with you a lot of, a lot of this offseason, but how has Corona and COVID-19 affected your offseason? I know it was a Big change for you to come from Washington, D.C. to Huntsville, Texas. So how has this offseason been different, and how are you adapting to it? Yeah, this offseason um, obviously is very different than ones I've had before. Um, moved to Huntsville, Texas, a small town for me coming from Washington, D.C., um, and being on a brand-new team, um, you know, I had to start off making new friends, learning new faces and names, um, a new playbook, coaches, and a way things are done. And um, I got here, and I was just starting to get into the groove of it when Corona hit us real hard, and they sent us all home. And um, <clears throat> that really threw off the off season a bit. Kind of got lost in training a bit. Um, didn't get to work with the strength coach and with the rest of the team. Lost the chance to build some relationships. 
Um, built some other ones though, and you know we we pushed through. You make do with what you got, and I feel like I definitely capitalized on. It. I feel like we all capitalized on the opportunity we had with the circumstances. And um, coming back in the summer was a, a way to resume where we left off. And I feel like we've made good progress this summer. This is basically uh, just a regular summer off season. You know, we wake up before the sun, I work out real hard for many many hours, and then everyone goes home, takes a nap, and we hang out and do it again the next day. So, yeah. So, Isaac, tell us a little bit about your your football upbringing. Uh, so, start with start with high school for us. What, what was your high school experience like? All right. So, I grew up in Littleton, Colorado, uh, a suburb outside of Denver. And, you know, high school football isn't the same as it is here in Texas. It's not as big. Um, I played 5A football, but it's not – Texas 5A, it's not Florida 5A, it's not California 5A. This was Colorado 5A. Um, you know, Colorado has some athletes. We do generate some Division One football players. Um, I know my rival school sent a kid to Ohio State at one point. So there's some athletes out there, but it's not the same caliber or as frequent. And, um, you know, I, I was real excited to get into high school. I was definitely eyeing the varsity job. Um, but things have a way of going differently. So I went in, I played my freshman year, um, played a pistol offense as a quarterback. Yeah, I was introduced as a tight end slash fullback. Um, I actually started as a quarterback. I played quarterback my whole life. So freshman year, I went in as a quarterback. I was a tall, scrawny kid playing freshman football at a 5A high school. Um, you know, it, it was an interesting experience, definitely a growing experience because we went three and seven, um, it was a ragtag group of kids. We definitely caused a lot of trouble around the school and in in the neighborhood. Nothing too bad, but we were definitely uh, rowdy. And it took our coach a while to rein us in. Um, but overall, we, we grew a bond. I think we matured a lot. And then, you know, my sophomore year, I was again looking at the varsity spot. But the way things went, um, we had a kid. The coaches were all in on a bit of a stud. Um so, I, again, I went down to JV. I played quarterback again. Um, a lot of improvement with our team. I think we had a good a good team chemistry going on. Um, moving up to my junior year, I actually got moved to safety. Uh, I had worked real hard in the offseason, and uh, <clears throat> I was proud of my, my athleticism and what I had worked to do. And so, again, I was gunning for this quarterback job. And I come in, and it's the same kid. Coaches still are real high on him. He played real well the year before. He was a senior. Um, he had aspirations to play college football, so he took the spot. And um, they said, why don't you go play safety? So I did play safety for a, a season, and that was an experience for me. Um, you know, I hadn't really been in contact as much, and all of a sudden I'm now a contact player. So, so. Pretty, pretty versatile was what I'm hearing. You could say that. Allegedly, I'm versatile. Um, but, yeah, that was fun. I definitely enjoyed seeing the defensive side of the ball. And then um, going into my senior year, we went about a culture change at our high school. Um, it caused a little bit of a rift. Um, I may have been a little bit of the ringleader behind it. Um, I had some strong convictions. And... You know, I, I spoke up, and it, it was a back and forth. Um, you know, we worked through it as adults with 
me and the coaches and the strength staff and the seniors, um, we definitely tried to make it a collaborative effort, but it wasn't without its bumps and pains. So that culture change was definitely hard. Um, but, you know, I persevered, came back, I went back to quarterback, played my senior year at quarterback. Um, it wasn't a great season necessarily. Our team just wasn't the strongest in our conference. Um we we lost our homecoming game, we lost our rivalry game, and this is Colorado football, so crowd wasn't that big to begin with. It started to dwindle when you lose your homecoming game and you were favored. But, you know, um, I, I made some good friends. I loved playing football, but uh, last game of the season came, and I knew I had a spot at Georgetown. Actually, no, that's not entirely true, but I knew I was going to go play college football. Um, we'll get to the recruiting part later, but... Um, yeah, I, I knew I was going to go play college football, so I was certainly excited to be moving on to the next stage of my career. Yeah, so going on past high school, you know, you, you gave your story, you played defense, still was a quarterback. What was recruiting like looking throughout your high school years? Did you go to camp? Now, in Texas, I mean, there's camps in every school, mini camps, any different types <clears throat> of camps you can go to and show your skill. What was it like in Colorado? Did you have the opportunities? And what schools were looking at you coming into your senior year, and then wh- how did you pick Georgetown? Yeah, so let's we'll trace it back to my junior year. Um, I hit the local schools camp circuit my junior year, uh, University of Colorado, Colorado State, Northern Colorado, and um, just kind of put my name on the radar. Um, I felt I played real well that summer, and I definitely had some interest. I know the University of Colorado was going to follow up, um, and then I ended up playing safety, so threw things off a little bit, but no mind, I was on the field. And then um, going into my senior year, I hit the camp circuit real hard. I hit all the local schools, went up to a big um, exhibition-type deal up in the Northeast, up in Boston. Um, I tried out for the national team, went down to Texas twice to play down there. So I, uh, I went out to California, hit a couple schools in California, so all over the place, just trying to get my name out there. And... You know, it generated some buzz. Um, I definitely was proud of the work I did. I played real well that summer and got some schools who were willing to follow up with me as the season progressed. Um, You know, we talked about my senior year and how it didn't go as well as we wanted it to. That definitely was a turnoff for a lot of schools. Um, A lot of them were expecting better play from me and from my team and that's just not how it went so I did turn turn off a lot of schools unfortunately but um you know I was heavily recruited in the RMAC uh it's division two conference throughout the state of Colorado um and that was exciting but I definitely felt that I had a a ceiling that I and a goal I wanted to achieve and I just kept pushing um the offseason came started grinding like I said when my season ended senior year I was excited because I knew there was more ahead of me um, I did have a couple options, Division II wise, Colorado School of Mines, Colorado State Pueblo, uh, a couple of the other RMACs, but those were some of my favorites. And then, you know, I just pushed the limit and we went on a road trip down through Texas, hit up a couple schools on some unofficial visits to try to see if anything was going on there. Um, good experience, nothing really came of it. But going into January, I uh, starting to get a little nervous because. Uh, I did have some good opportunities, but um, you know, I I had I had dreams, I had Division One dreams, and so we're getting late into 
late into January, and the AFCA conference comes up. It's the American Football Coaches Association conference. And so my trainer goes every year. He kind of sells his guys when he gets down there. So he took my information down there, um, which was really cool. And he was able to connect with some coaches there. I got a call from Bryant uh, University up in Rhode Island, and I got a call from Georgetown University. And just the way it worked out, I ended up going on a visit to Georgetown University. It was delayed a few days. There was a huge snowstorm. I think they had 14, 16 inches of snow. Um, so my visit was very unconventional. I went middle of the week. Kids were in classes. There were snow days. It was it was interesting. But I got up there and fell in love with the city of D.C., uh, fell in love with the coaches. And, you know, I felt it was a good fit for me. Um, so I go on that visit. I'm really excited about it. And immediately after that, I went down to the national team down in Dallas. And I'm down in Dallas with some guys I played for before, um, just kind of playing a little bit more football uh, having a good time, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to Georgetown. So this is maybe week, two weeks before signing day. So I'm down in Dallas. I decided I'm going to Georgetown, go home, order my Georgetown gear for signing day, and another snowstorm hits, and they can't ship my gear out. So, um, you know, it was the whole experience was just kind of unconventional and very different, but uh, I was certainly very excited for the opportunity I had. So. So you've uh, you've signed with Georgetown. Uh, did they recruit you to to come and play quarterback? Yeah, they uh, recruited me to come play quarterback. I had some schools. This is kind of funny. When I was on the camp circuit, some schools were like, "Would you be willing to walk on as a tight end? Would you be willing to switch to tight end? We might consider a scholarship spot." And I was like, "No, I'm a quarterback." Um, things have obviously changed, but yeah, Georgetown brought me in as a quarterback. I was supposed to be a Pro style pocket passer going in over there. So now, now walk us through through that transition because obviously we we know you play tight end now. We know you you ended at Georgetown as a tight end. Walk us through how you went in as a quarterback and and switched to tight end. Right. So this is the training camp episode. Um, all of this started in training camp. Um, I go out to Georgetown the summer before uh, the season, and I get out there. I make my friends. We work hard all summer. Um, you know, I felt real locked in. I was throwing the ball well. I was starting to learn the plays. And we hit training camp. And I'll tell you what, high school football and college football are entirely different. Um, got into camp, and it's a million miles an hour. Um, the guys are big. Everybody's fast. Everybody knows what's going on. If you're the freshman and you're not getting it right away, they're not really coaching you up because you're not going to be there to win games yet. Your time for development is the spring, not the fall. So immediately – um, in over my head, fell behind. And, you know, I got a little bit, a little bit of the yips, forgot how to throw the ball and, uh, you know, struggled that fall. So going to training camp is just overwhelming. We had, obviously, Hump mentioned it, we have a lot of meetings. So um, fatigue, stress, uh, you're the top dog in high school. Now you're the bottom of the ladder in college. It's faster in, uh, that's that's how camp went. The season pretty much went the same way. Um, get to spring, uh, first off season, and I'm I'm working hard to develop to get better. And you know we had a lot of depth at quarterback. And by the end of spring, we played the spring game. I played quarterback. I was happy. I thought I was gonna stay there. And all of a sudden in May, I get a phone call when I'm at home. They say, "How do you feel about switching to tight end?" And um, I I kind of had a feeling I wasn't super up there on the depth chart um, that they held, they felt they were going to go in a different direction 
And I was like, you know what? If it helps the team, if it gets me on the field, I'm in. So as of May of my freshman year, I became a tight end, and I've stayed a tight end since. So, Humph, I want to ask you the same question about training camp because you kind of have a similar story as Isaac. As you come in, as you know, you're a high-rated quarterback in your school, you're, you're the big dog at Sulphur Springs, and you come in with a with a good quarterback class. What was your re- how did you feel coming in your first training camp? And eventually when you did make that switch to receiver, was that at training camp? Talk about your first two years in training camp. Yeah, so very, uh, very similar to, to Isaac's upbringing as a, uh, as a guy who came in as a quarterback and then transitioned to another position. You know, I, that, that first training camp, uh, like Isaac said, you know, it's, it's really more times than not, it's not really about the freshmen. You know, they're there kind of be learning behind the older players their their developmental time is is in the spring which is exactly what Isaac said uh and so I, I knew what I was getting into that that first fall everything was going a million miles an hour uh, like Isaac talked about it's it's certainly a different animal uh from high school to college you know everyone everyone's the best player at their former high school and so you definitely have to understand that and know your place that that first camp uh, so my transition, so I, I spent the year as the the scout team quarterback, uh, kind of you know made, made some athletic plays there on, on the ground, and so it was decided before my the, my first spring that I was going to transition to receiver. So really in that off season uh, period between the end of my true freshman year and my first spring was when I transitioned to receiver. And, you know, I'm sure Isaac had the same uh, experience as me. You know, obviously I'm an athletic guy. Isaac's an athletic guy. But switching positions, a whole new position, uh, especially being a quarterback your entire life, is is definitely an uphill battle. Uh, especially, oh, for sure. Yeah, especially at the Division One level when, again, like I said, Everyone was the best player at their high school, so it's not your like you're playing. You're not trying to switch positions, uh, you know, going against Joe Blow. Uh, so moving from quarterback, which is a very technical and you know, I guess mental position, to moving to tight end or receiver, where you know your physicality is different. You got to catch the ball. You got to block. You got to you know shed tackles. Everything like that. Uh, a lot goes into it in, in switching positions. So I have a question for both of y'all and you know so your first training camp you come in and like a lot of us we're not getting a lot of reps you know uh, I personally there was there were four tight ends in the group so I didn't get a lot of reps did it discourage you and what did you do to kind of help your, your mentals and like how did you get through not getting all the reps and being able to fight that and because you didn't know you were being moved to receiver yet so you're still a quarterback and you knew early, but you still didn't know if tight end was going to work out. So what did you do to kind of get over that hump of the first training camp? Um, that first training camp was really rough, actually. Um, I definitely doubted myself. I had some questions about my future. Um, you know, at this point in my freshman training camp, I didn't know that tight end was still an option yet. Um, mostly it was just how can I remember – how to play like I did in high school because I had lost something. I had lost some confidence. Um, the rhythm wasn't there. And it was just, what do I need to do to get back to that feeling? And it was discouraging. It was really hard. I, there were a lot of phone calls home, um, a lot of phone calls back to my trainer. Um, 
I made some good friends at Georgetown. Some of my closer friends actually did really well and ended up playing. So there wasn't a lot of, um, we weren't necessarily on the same page with our struggles. There were different struggles going on. So it was hard. And the biggest thing was just my parents telling me, if you quit now, you're going to forever regret it. Um, you know, I was at a school that I was real proud to be at. And I was, I was playing football. Granted, I wasn't playing, playing, but I was doing it. And um, they said, if you just stick it out, you'll be proud you did. And things things did turn around. But it was a mental struggle. You just have to battle through it and push. But, um, yeah, that, that doesn't mean that it's easy. Yeah, so for me, a lot of, lot of, the, lot of the same – same mindsets. Uh, you know, I came into it. I knew what I was getting into. Uh, I walked on to Sam Houston, uh, just, you know, blessed to have the opportunity. But basically, my from day one, my mindset was how, what can I do in this redshirt year to get me on the field day one, my redshirt freshman year? You know, what, what can I do today to give myself a better shot at that? And so, uh, to me, redshirting and being the scout team quarterback throughout camp and throughout the season was probably the best thing that ever happened to me uh, from a football standpoint. I was able to really focus on the weight room, really really build some good relationships with the coaching staff and, and with my teammates, and, and I think in the long run, uh, it couldn't have been better. So Isaac, so I've seen a picture of you freshman year quarterback and uh, you were built like a string bean. Definitely uh, not the guy I'm looking yeah, at right now. Yeah, definitely a much bigger man. So tell me those first couple years, the physical transformation you had to go through, and then I'm going to ask you, what was the easiest thing about moving the tight end, and what was the hardest thing about moving the tight end? Yeah, um, the physical transformation took a while. I was 6'5", 220 going in as a quarterback. So granted, I wasn't a small person. But if you saw me now and then, you would definitely think that I had eaten a whole human and just it became part of me. <laughs> um, yeah, it was probably the hardest part of it was just eating enough food. Um, I, our strength staff pushed us really hard, and I worked really hard, and I would go home over the summers and work real hard. But, man, burning that many calories and trying to put on weight is a two-ended battle. And it was a lot of food consumed. Um, I didn't like eating food for a while because it was a chore. I'm getting back to the point where I started to enjoy it, but that might be because I can cook a little better. But, you know, it was it was a chore, and it took a, a long time. That first summer, um, went home as a quarterback at 225 and came back as a tight end at 235. Um, played that year uh, as a backup at 235. I was a little undersized. And then, you know, I was like, that's not going to cut it. So going into my junior year, um, hit it real hard, went home, hit it real hard over the summer, came back at 245. And uh, big difference, definitely felt a lot better playing. And then my senior year, I was like, you know what, we're, we're a tight end. We need to really be a tight end. So I looked at, um, you know, the NFL, the big FBS guys. I was like, what is the prototype body they're looking for? Um, and just tried to do that and I ended up going into my senior year at 255 so it's been a, a, a process but uh, not an easy one and I definitely got bigger um, I, I had to update my wardrobe and that was kind of upsetting because I liked my clothes but here we are and hum same for you you know I worked out with you freshman year and you know I was like telling people the story is you couldn't power clean to save your life you would struggle every day 
our coaches would be on you every day trying to teach you, and now you're one of the strongest receivers in the group. So what did you have to go through to change your body because you put on a lot of muscle since your freshman quarterback year? Yeah, so uh, it really it really starts in in high school. Uh, you know, I was always I was always a strong guy for my size, but I was I was you know, Silver Springs number one pitcher, Silver Springs quarterback. I was a track guy, and so I never really got that football off season uh, to where I could just you know live in the weight room. I was always uh, I mean I was always playing a sport, uh, so I didn't really learn to to lift until my redshirt year and that kind of goes into what I was saying that it was the best thing that ever happened to me because that that in in season uh phase where where the red shirts you know would have extra lifts during the week I, I really fell in love with the weight room and, and I've definitely bought into to the weight room and now uh you know coach Parker coach coach Trevor all those guys I, I love working with them because I, I can see the results and and the guy that I was coming into college and even at the end of my first year of college and the guy I am now are, are two different people. Yeah, and I think, uh, I think two of the big things, too, with college athletics and strength and conditioning is technique and nutrition. You know, in high school, you don't really learn technique as well as you do here, and you don't know nutrition at all. You know, some people do, some people don't. So having someone like Coach Uzana and giving us the right food and telling us what to eat has been a big change for all of us because we've all put on good weight and had uh, really good changes to our body. So, Isaac, going back to you, so we're now on to your second season. Were you in the running for the first-string tight end, and what was that training camp looking like? Now that you know you're a tight end, are you competing for the spot? Is there more pressure? Talk to me about your second-year training camp. Yeah, so second-year training camp, um, I'm bigger, stronger. I'm a year older, so it definitely was less overwhelming. Um, I had adjusted to the speed of the game. Um, the guys weren't as big and strong as – they had seemed the first time around, and, um, you know, I came in, they told me I was going to challenge for the starting spot, but I was smaller than the other guys. Um, they were both seniors. They had been doing it a while. So it was definitely um, an uphill battle, but they told me I was in it. Um, you know, they ended up just winning the job. The The combination of moving from quarterback to tight end and relearning everything just made it a learning curve. So I went in, and the, the easy part was I knew what I was supposed to do, and I knew what everyone else was supposed to do because I had been a quarterback. The hard part was I went from not getting hit to learning how to deliver a hit, block, and take a hit, um, and that was a, a process because I used to be a straight-up runner, and I would get smacked around, and all of a sudden now I have to run low, and I have to do the smacking. So that was um, a year-long process to learn. So that was definitely part of it um, as to why I didn't – win that starting job but again um couldn't have been a bad bad thing it was definitely a blessing because you get the chance to develop another year and learn from everybody else how to do it and um not get thrown in and overwhelmed i played a bit but uh it wasn't it wasn't my spot so uh just a learning curve and then you know going forward in the junior and senior year all of a sudden it's a very different experience but yeah did you play uh did you play any special teams early on in your your college days I did. I played a little bit of special teams. Uh, I was a tad bit faster, so I was on some of the running units. I was on kickoff. Um, that only lasted for so long till I rolled my ankle and knocked myself out of a few games. Um, I was on punt block, but then again, we had an all-conference D-tackle who could do it just as well or better than me, so I didn't get as many reps. Um, and then 
you know, Georgetown really prided themselves on special teams in their unit. Um, so we we had a strong special teams unit, and uh, a lot of the starters ended up playing on it. So I played a bit, but it, it, I wasn't a special teams player. I was just kind of a fill-in when they needed it. So how did that season end up for your team, and was the scene, was the tight end above you a senior, so did you know that the next year you were going to be the guy, or how did that work out in terms of depth? Um, that season was actually a really rough season. We went 1-10. in 10. We lost 10 straight. Um, actually, the season before, we had gone 3-8 and eight and had lost 8 straight. So we had 8 losses, win one game, 10 more losses. Um, it came to our attention that we needed a culture change as a team, and that was a difficult process and something that we did and accomplished and is still in motion now. But, um, yeah, you know, that, that season was rough. Then the two, the two seniors ahead of me both graduated, and it was essentially my job to lose. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not just there to take what's given to me. I wanted to strive and dominate whatever competition was there. Um, we ended up moving a defensive end over to tight end that year. We brought in a walk-on, and it was a competition because, again, I was still a – I was still learning how to play tight end. It was a competition, but, um, you know, I ended up winning it junior year and just running with it. But, yeah, there, there was a lot going on there. The team needed a culture change and their position changes and a uh, wild experience for sure. So how does a, you know, you said you went 1-10, in 10, you lost, you said 10 straight. How does that affect your locker room and your camaraderie and, you know, the leadership? How does that, how does a losing season like that affect the room and the team? Oh, it's uh, detrimental. It's devastating. Um, seniors who worked their tails off for four years all of a sudden have nothing to show for it. Um, they're hurting. It tore us apart a bit. Um, we had some toxic guys going in and we had some guys who became toxic as we got through. And uh, if you want a good culture and a good atmosphere, you can't have that. Um, that's not something that we had prioritized going in. So we had kept some kids who probably didn't want to be there, who probably shouldn't have been there, and that we didn't need. Um, and, you know, it turned us against the coaches on occasion. Uh, football's not as fun when you're losing. It's fun to win games. That's why we play. And uh, losing 10 straight was not fun. So a lot of people weren't happy. There was talk of leaving and transferring. Um, you know, no one really followed through because we were, a, our class especially was a family and we bonded and we decided that we wanted to make the change and it was going to be our team. We were going to do it our way. And so our head coach was awesome. He did a great job listening to us. He knew what he wanted. He knew what we wanted. We were on the same page and he was certainly had our backs and we had his back after some conversations and um you know following a one in ten season immediately we saw changes in him and he said if you want these changes um i will do them but you have to buy in and make it your team and your culture and he really held us accountable to that and uh we put it in motion we made it happen we got rid of the kids who didn't want to be there we got rid of the kids who were cancers of the team um definitely established our identity as a team and what we wanted and uh, pushed ourselves to change the culture and change the way we approach things so that we can be successful. And home for your second training camp, you know, now you've kind of developed a name for yourself. You've made the switch to wide receiver. How did your That's second... That's our third one now, right? 
Are you talking about last year? Or yeah, this last year. year. Oh, okay, cool. So talk to me about last year's training camp. You know, you're trying to earn yourself some playing time. You got a little spot on special teams. Talk to me about your second year training camp. Yeah, so second year of training camp, I, I had already made the receiver or the receiver switch uh, the spring before, uh, and so I'm, I'm I'm getting reps at receiver. You know, definitely made some plays in the fall. Uh, had had better players than me ahead of me, more experienced players ahead of me uh, in the receiver room, and I think think that was a, a good thing uh, because I, I kind of got to watch and, and see how how a fall camp works for a receiver. Uh, it's certainly a grind. It's uh, it's definitely more uh, more of a toll on your body than it is a quarterback, that's for sure. Uh, but but I asked Isaac earlier, you know, about special teams, and that that certainly was something that last fall was was incredibly important to me. And so I kind of made that my own thing that you know I'm I'm going to be the rep leader, and we everybody messes with me now because we at Sam Houston State we have have they count the reps for for all the special teams drills throughout camp and. Uh, Three years running, or three, I guess, fall camp, spring ball, fall camp. I'm, uh, I'm leading uh, in, in in that category, and so that definitely a big deal to me. Uh, I hope to have a, a another big role in special teams this year, uh, but definitely, definitely coming into this year, I'm looking to kind of enhance my my playing time uh, at the receiver position. And uh, same question that I asked Isaac, what was the easiest thing about moving to receiver and what was the hardest thing about moving to receiver? Well, the easiest thing was, uh, Isaac said it earlier, talking about knowing all the plays because you had played quarterback. And so I think that definitely made me more comfortable and just just knowing football in general. Uh, I mean, receivers are, are some of the most exciting players in football in terms of the NFL and big time college football. So, you know, obviously I pay attention to that position. It's not like something I didn't know before. Uh, and definitely the hardest thing is getting open at the division one level. I mean, if you, if you know anything about Sam Houston state's DBs, the last couple of years, you know, that uh, the twins and, and JT and some other guys are, are incredibly, incredibly athletic. And so, you know, it's a blessing and a curse because, you know, A, you have to go against those guys every day, but but B, you get to go against those guys every day and, and you're going to be better because of it. Yeah, so me and you, we, that's that's the most training camp we have. We have more to come, but Isaac still has, you know, two more years that he can talk about. But now that he's the starter, he's the guy, he's been through training camp, a lot of people don't realize and know what a training camp schedule looks like. So, Isaac, I don't know if Georgetown and Sam Houston have similarities or differences. So walk me through what your Georgetown training camp day looks like. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> training camp is long. It's grueling. It's hard. It's exhausting. Um, I'm sure it's extremely similar across the country. Um, there's going to be some differences everywhere you go. But, you know, at, at Georgetown, um, <clears throat> Washington, D.C. is hot and humid in the summer during training camp. Um I'll tell you what, it's not as hot and humid as Huntsville has been, but it is hot and it is humid. And as a guy from Denver, Colorado, uh, that was hard. So we would end up practicing. We would start practice at 6 a.m. So your day starts before the sun comes up. We would practice. It's a long, hard practice. Um, You go back, you shower in the locker room, you go get breakfast as a team, and uh, you get a little bit of downtime so everyone goes home and takes a nap. Uh, at which point you have to come back and we have lift. Um, so we would go in, we would lift, another shower, lunch, come back, meetings, 
Um, meetings are long, they're hard, you're tired, um, you got to focus, the lights are off, the screen is on, and you're being talked at in a monotone voice. Um, definitely something that'll put you to sleep real fast if you're not on your game. But, you know, you have meetings, you get a break for dinner, you come back, and there were times where we would have meetings and watch film till 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night. So it's been a long day. You're putting, it's, it's like a, like a summer course worth of material. You're learning a new language, you're learning a new playbook, and uh, you're learning, 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 and then you're lifting, and then you're practicing, and you're doing this from 6 a.m. in the morning till 10 p.m. at night. And uh, that's a long schedule. It's exhausting. But, you know, we figured out ways around it. Usually when you come in, you see what the seniors are doing to kind of make camp life a little less grueling, what they do to enjoy themselves. Um, something that may have been unique to Georgetown, maybe not, but we had a couple game cubes, and this was our favorite part of the night was when everyone was done with meetings before bed check. Um, we actually stayed in the dorms, so everyone would go to the common room, we'd hook up the game cube, and we'd play uh, Super Mario Smash Bros. as a team, and if you won, you got to stay on the sticks, if not, you were off the sticks, and it would be 15, 20 of us sitting in a room playing video games until the coaches and GAs came in and kicked us out and told us to go to bed. But that was definitely one of the most fun parts of training camp was sitting with your new friends and teammates bonding. And then um, another thing that we would do, we ended up getting a brand new facility right when I got there. It had a beautiful athlete lounge, a big TV and some internet on it. So we hooked up Netflix. And um, as an offense, we watched a camp show and we ended up watching Friday Night Lights throughout camp, and it would be a group of 10 or 12 of us. We'd all go in, watch another episode of Friday Night Lights, go to meetings, come back, put on another episode, and that was just kind of our camp life for that year. But um, camp camp is grueling, but it's also fun when you're with the right people. And uh, I look forward to seeing what we do here at Sam Houston. And uh, this camp, going into it, um, you know, I'm confident. I've done it four times. I know the fatigue uh, I know generally how it goes, um, and what to do to make your life easier. Uh, for the young guys, cold tubs, eat food, take naps, go to bed early. That'll make your life easier. Um, definitely pay attention in meetings and that'll make your life a lot easier. And then, uh, yeah, just enjoy your time with your teammates and make sure you're well rested. So Isaac, uh, you talked about, you know, you've, you've had four, four fall camps now, but one thing that you haven't had is a Corona fall camp. So what do you what do you expect to to change this fall camp uh, in regards to COVID nineteen? This fall camp uh, is going to be different, and not necessarily a fun different, um, but it's going to be very different for us. Uh, our coaches have told us we won't be using the locker room. Um, we're not doing in-person meetings. Uh, we've established a quote unquote bubble and that changes things. Uh, the locker room is a, a bonding place with your team. Obviously you're exhausted and nasty. So that's where you go shower and kind of chill with your teammates. We won't be having that opportunity. Um, and it, it's a bummer, but it is what it is. And then no in-person meetings, uh, that can be rough too. Personal personal contact and interaction is important for growing um, relationships, and relationships are some of the most important things for a team to have, especially developing them in camp. Uh, if you don't have those relationships, you don't have a strong team, and that can cause 
problems or disconnects going forward. So it's going to be an obstacle to overcome having virtual meetings. Um, we've already run into a couple small problems. Like when we watch tape over Zoom, um, it lags, it glitches a bit, makes it harder. Sometimes there's connectivity issues, there's battery issues. Um, it's definitely a little harder to stay alert when you're on a computer and not in person. So, you know, as as an older player, these are things I'm anticipating. I know the coaches are certainly anticipating these obstacles and trying to work around them. Um, there's going to be a lot less team bonding events in a way. Um, it won't be us hanging out in a locker room. It won't be us playing video games as a large team. It's going to be small groups. It's going to be some social distancing, uh, a lot of smaller gathering so if you live in a house with your friends or your teammates that's going to be your group it's not going to be larger groups um it won't necessarily be your gamecube game night it's going to be you and your roommates watching some netflix this year so uh definitely different obviously we wish things were not as they are but uh championship teams overcome obstacles and these are some obstacles that i have no doubt will overcome yeah, some of the, like you said, some of the best parts about training camp are the, the off time or when you're eating lunch with everybody and everybody's together. Humphreys, do you have any good memories or good time with training camp? I know you only had two times doing it, but any any good things that happened here at Sam Houston? Yeah, the, the, the meetings, you know, I talked about that being the hardest part, but it's also one of the most fun parts. And, and you know, we have we have some fun at, at Sam Houston. We do some different rituals, uh, you know, uh, I won't get into it, but in camp, we as a team have some traditions that that we do in meetings that I, I really enjoy. Uh, we break it off into small groups, kind of tell our our personal stories to really get to know each other as a team. Uh, what I will say is, though this camp will look different in, in the sense that you know we're not going to get that in person interaction uh, like we normally would. I I will venture to say that this is one of the the most tight-knit groups that Sam Houston has had in a long time. And, and I think that's going to be really important going forward. And, and, you know, like Isaac said, good teams prevail in tough situations. So I think think us as a team, Sam Houston, we, we have that close locker room bond, and that's going to translate onto the field, even with the lack of human interaction that we're going to get over the next month in training camp. And I do give a lot of props to Isaac for that. You know, he comes in and he didn't get a lot of time to spend with the team. But, you know, you look at him now and almost all the players know who he is. He's talking to a lot of people. And I think that shows his, you know, how long he's been doing this. And, you know, going back to your senior year at Georgetown. So you've already, you're named the starter. Was there any pressure going into your last year in training camp knowing that, you know, you're the guy now? Uh, were you already a leader? Were you trying to develop leadership? What was leadership for you personally and your last senior training camp with Georgetown yeah um they you know they challenged me to be a leader going into my senior year um I had been on the leadership council before um but they had challenged me to be a bigger leader we had a new a new group we were the Turbs tight ends and running backs and we had a lot of young guys um they pushed me to mentor them make sure they were on their game um you know our coach was pretty hard on us he was pretty strict and uh um you know it helped us grow as players and as people and just being a leader to the young guys who didn't know how things were done we were changing a culture still 
um, having to be the guy to help direct that. And then, you know, the, the seniors are the guys who've been through it before. So when the freshmen and the sophomores come into camp, um, they're looking to see how things are done. They're looking to see how you act in drills, how you act in your downtime, how you act in the training room. Um, and that's just one of the things they challenged us with. And not that we were necessarily doing it wrong, but they were challenging us to change the culture, to behave differently, behave better, um, challenging us to push each other. And, um, yeah, that, that was, you know, that was one of the biggest pressures because um, I wasn't concerned about my spot. You know, if, if you can't win the spot um, by playing, it's probably – for the better because it's not your spot so I, I definitely had the confidence and I was going to go in and win it um, the biggest pressure was on me because I knew I knew going in I was going to play a fifth year and this was the year to get my ring at Georgetown this was the year to set myself up for the following season so there was a lot of pressure on myself from myself and then uh, there's definitely pressure to be a leader so maybe some of it was unnecessary but it was still there um, but yeah, that's that's basically how it is when you're the the older guy in your group and on the field. So you talked about getting that fifth year. Let's let's fast forward a little bit. Tell us a little bit how you you finished your time at Georgetown. Walk walk us through how you got to Sam Houston State. Man, another crazy story like my recruiting story from high school. Um, you know, I had this plan in motion for about two years. Um, I had gotten ahead in credits and had to get further ahead, so I had that planned out. Um, I had planned out my graduation. Um, going into my senior season, I had a plan for how I was going to get taped together, how I was going to target schools, and how I was going to reach out to them. And um, as we get towards the end of the season, uh, the plan was in motion. I had this whole plan worked out, and I followed my plan to a T. Uh, I made my tape in advance. I made my list of schools and contacts in advance. And, you know, as soon as my eligibility at Georgetown ran out, um, you know, I was pulling all-nighters. I probably put 40, 50, 60 hours into my research and my tape to get ready for this next stage of my career. And um, nothing went according to plan. I had this entire plan, and nothing went according to plan. Um, it was a slow process. It was stressful. You know, I I had some schools, I had some dream schools, uh, realistic schools, and then my fallback schools, and no success. Um, and all of a sudden, I was like, man, am I good enough to still play college football? I don't understand. I, I definitely felt like I had it in me. And um, I was like, man, I might have to go back and just be a person and get a job, and I want to be in D.C. So I was like, well, that's not going to happen. So... I went back, reevaluated. I was like, "All right, let's let's keep targeting schools. We'll go down a level." So I go down a level. Still no hits. Um, you know, I got some teases from some schools, but that's how that's how recruiting goes. You get some teases, you get some attention, but it doesn't follow through. And we're getting down to the point where I'm like, "Well, where do I want to live?" Um, there are some states I wanted to live in: Texas, Georgia, the Carolinas. Um, like a region of the country I wanted to go to. I was like, all right, we're just going to hit all the schools in those areas. And if no one wants me, I'm going back to D.C. I'll just work. And uh, I get to the state of Texas, and I hit up all the Texas schools in the FBS. I hit up the FCS schools. Um, I had some Division II schools on the list just in case. And I sent them out. 
And immediately I start looking at apartments in Washington, D.C. I was like, well, we'll see what happens. And not 30 minutes later, I get a call from my tight ends coach at Georgetown. He says, hey, I just got a call from Sam Houston State. What do you know about him? And I was like, I sent him an email a half hour ago. He goes, all right, they're going to call you. So I'm like, all right, close all the windows on my apartments that I found in D.C. I'm like, okay, this is a good thing. Um, and I get a call from Chris Rogers, my tight ends coach here at Sam Houston State. He's like, hey, uh, you got your email. Uh, we like the way you play. We're excited. Um, we want to talk to you about maybe coming to Sam Houston State. And I was like, all right, lay it on me. And he's like, well, I'm going to talk to the head guy. I'm going to talk to Coach Cardi, and um, we'll be in touch. I'll keep you updated. So all of a sudden I went from, wow, I'm not a football player anymore, to, man, I'm, I'm ready to go. And, you know, we go to dinner with my grandparents. My grandma was like, will you please get off your phone? We're trying to have dinner. I'm like, well, uh, didn't want to tell you guys yet because it's not set in stone, but I have Sam Houston State blowing up my phone, and this might be the school I'm going to. And all of a sudden, dinner turned into a celebration dinner instead of family dinner. And um, the next next couple weeks or so, we're just working on the details of uh Sam Houston State, how I'm going to get down there, what it's going to be like. Um, and, you know, it, it took a little while. It wasn't immediately you're coming here. It was let's get to know you. Let's see if you're a good fit. Let's evaluate our scholarship situation. But they were pretty confident. And I had a couple other schools that eventually got back to me, but not great fits or not good timing. And Sam Houston State just kept kept going strong, kept hitting me up. And they said, we want you here. And I was like, well, I'll, I want to be there. And um I didn't get an official visit. I just came sight unseen down to Huntsville, Texas, a 14-hour drive. Very it's ballsy. It's ballsy. I knew nothing. I hadn't met anybody in person, um, had talked to the coaches a few times. I didn't have a place to live, and I packed up the truck and drove 14 hours south. Uh, so before we finally start talking about Sam Houston and your short little stint here, I just want to get your final overview of Georgetown. I know you're very proud to be a Hoya you know, what are things you're going to miss? What are you things you loved about D.C. and Georgetown? Just give me your final thoughts on Georgetown and your experience there, football and non-football. Yeah, uh, roll Hoyas. I'm extremely proud to be a Hoya. Um, Georgetown was hard. My first year or two there were grueling and hard, and um, but that's everyone's experience going to college. And, you know, once we got past that, greatest experience of my life. It set me up for success. I had phenomenal internships. I met some of the brightest, most incredible people that I've ever met in the world. And I've met people from across the world, across the country. Um, I absolutely loved my teammates. They're, they'll be my friends the rest of my life. Uh, it's my family. I can't wait to get back to DC. Um, that coaching staff, incredibly supportive of me. Um, love all of them. You know, Georgetown was a huge blessing in my life. Absolutely adore that school incredibly proud and the city of Washington DC is essentially my second home um, just I spent four years there it's a beautiful city there's so many things to do the monuments the museums the sites the history and uh, we definitely had college fun out there too but Washington Washington DC is a, an incredible place and uh, has my heart for sure so I'm, I'm proud it was an awesome opportunity um, Got what I came there. I got what I went there for, and even more. And I, I'm excited to go back again in the future. 
Uh, so you finally get to Sam Houston. You're in Huntsville. What are your first reactions of Huntsville, Texas in itself and Coach Rogers and your tight end room, which is including your boy. Be nice to me. Don't don't be mean on air. This is a fun story. We pull into Huntsville, Texas. We drove 12 hours. Um, my mom and I stopped in a hotel just outside of Fort Worth. Um, and then the next day we drive the final two hours down here to Huntsville and we pull up and um, the first first impression of Huntsville is, oh, it's a, a small town. It's a little run down. Um, it's small Texas Huntsville. It's hot and humid here. And this is January. So it was like 50, 60 degrees, which y'all Texans, that's cold. But, you know, that's April, May in Colorado. That's March in D.C. And I was like, ah, I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt, and these guys are in Carhartt. So I was like, this is a new experience. But I would be lying if I said I didn't want to see what it was like. I I wanted to be in Texas. I wanted to check it out. Um, that was the first impression. And all of a sudden, I'm like, man, I'm really in my new home, and I don't know anybody or anything about this town. And uh, the coaches were working real hard to get all my paperwork squared away to get me into workouts and team functions and got that all squared away. And the first day I come into the team meeting, I meet the tight ends group. And uh, Coach Rogers is great. He introduces me. He's super excited. And I show up. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm Isaac. What's up? Dead silence. <laughs> Not a person replied to my text the day before. And no one said a word to me when I first met them in person. And I was like, uh-oh. That sounds about right with Dalton. He's a pretty quiet guy, if you didn't know. <laughs> it was it was an experience for sure. And we walk out of there, and Coach Rogers comes up to me. He goes, how'd that go? I was like, well, they didn't have a lot to say. He goes, don't worry. They'll be your closest friends soon enough. And not a week later, already already friends with these guys. We're a lot closer now, but you know, already talking to me, which was good, and uh, getting along well. So... Everything worked out just fine, but those are some funny stories about the first time I got here and just my first experience meeting the people. Yeah, you know, I'll hype Isaac up a little bit. Uh, he was a great blessing to our tight end group. You know, we were all young guys, me and our other tight end, Keontae. You know, I'm a, I'm a redshirt sophomore. He's a redshirt freshman. So we were a really young group. We were looking for kind of someone to step in and be a leader. You know, Isaac comes in. He's very smart. He knows what he's doing. And he kind of he's guiding us in the right direction. We're a completely different tight end group than we were last year, so it's great to have him with the group. He's a he's a talented tight end. And uh, speaking of talent, you know, I know you have dreams of wanting to go beyond college football. So what do you what are your plans after the season, training wise? Are you gonna are you looking for the NFL? And if not, what are your plans if not the NFL? Um, well, we talked about my plans coming out of Georgetown and how, how I had a whole plan put together. Um, I'm working on my next plan. And uh, the way things tend to go in my life is I make a huge plan that I feel real good about, and it does the opposite. So I, I have dreams of the NFL. Um, when the season ends, I'll definitely be looking to start training and get ready to go. Um, you know, The Rock just bought the XFL today. The XFL may be coming back and just in time for me to – just in time for me to get back into another stage in my football career, maybe. But, you know, I'm not – I don't think I'll be ready to be done with football. I know we had guys at Georgetown who went overseas to Europe. Um, I think Europe would be a very fun experience, just living in Europe, playing football, just 
just for fun, you know. But obviously the the dream is the NFL, so I'm gunning for that. But, um, you know, everyone says have a backup plan. Well, I've got one degree and I'll have half of another and potentially more depending on how things go. But, um, you know, I'm, I love healthcare and medicine. Um, y'all don't know this, but I went in as pre-med at Georgetown and it bullied me and I went into healthcare administration instead and it was much nicer to me. Um, graduated with a degree in healthcare administration. I've come to love it. I had two internships in hospitals in the administration, a um, little bit of a hassle. I showed up to work in a suit every day. That's that's DC life. That's not Texas life. So that's that's definitely different for me coming down here. And dudes are wearing boots and jeans, not suits and ties. Um, but yeah, the the future for me outside of football is hospital administration. I'm getting a master's in public health. Um, don't know where I'm gonna go. There's places I want to live, but you know, life has a way of sending you other directions. But um, you know, when football is done for me, it'll be out into the healthcare world to go help people and make a difference in people's health and their lives. So definitely looking forward to my professional career at some point. All right. I'm going to bring up a little scenario for you. Let's say that Ryan's boy, Jerry Jones, is listening to this podcast. He's like, wow, I'm interested in Isaac Sly. So pitch to Jerry. What are your strengths as a tight end? What would you bring to the Dallas Cowboys? Jerry, you know, I read a story about Tony Romo negotiating his own contract. You brought him into the office and said, no agent, let's negotiate a contract. I'll tell you what, bring me in, let's negotiate a contract. I'll come into your team. I'll be a good time. Uh, I'm going to work my tail off. You know, I can, I, I believe that I can do everything. I'm going to smack some fools. I'm going to make some blocks and uh, I'm definitely going to give my best sauciness out there and get open i'm not ryan humphreys but (laughs) i can get open i can move um you know i i admire george kittle he's definitely the prototype tight end and uh that's who i'm gonna strive to be so jerry jones get me there and uh i'll turn into your george kittle down there in dallas wow that was that was pretty strong that was strong i I can really feel it i might have to call jerry myself (laughs) (laughs) So Isaac, you actually you actually mentioned you touched on uh, what what was going to be my next question, and uh, it, for you viewers, uh, if you don't know, I am the XFL's number one fan. I mean, I live and breathe the XFL. Uh, so Isaac, The Rock, and, and some other associates bought the XFL today. A guy, you know, not not putting a ceiling on you, but but a guy coming from from an FCS school. Uh, you know that smaller college football world. Does an opportunity like the XFL possibly coming back really excite you? Oh, certainly. And I just like to throw this out there: um, the Rock and Friends bought the XFL for fifteen million dollars, which is an absolute steal. That's what I think. So I, I'm excited. I think me. it's. I think it's going to last for a while. Um, hopefully, they get it up and running fast. But man, playing football past college is just such an incredible thing to put on your resume and to get paid finally to play football is not an opportunity I would turn down. Obviously the dream, the goal is the NFL, but screw it. XFL, I'm still playing football and absolutely would I go play there. And I I went to an XFL game actually this last spring and and absolutely no knock on, on the atmosphere, on the stadiums, on the teams. I mean, 
you've got Power 5 guys, you've got FCS guys, you've got top D2, D3 guys. I mean, you know, Bob Stoops, which is a huge coaching name, was the Dallas Renegades coach. So it's definitely, you know, obviously it's a step under the NFL, but but as soon as the XFL folded, a lot of those players signed with NFL teams. So you, you've got really talented players in the league. And so, so for me, I just, I love the kind of the minor league but still professional, solid football aspect of it. Uh, and you'll never hear me complain about more football, and, and year-round football is what even excites me more. Well, and um, the thing is, people love their football, and having year-round football is a huge draw. Um, it was going to be successful, and to kill it that early was a shame. It was going to be successful, but... Really, Corona got it. I, I, the product was good. The product to was me, good. Corona is... People loved the, it. The players loved it. Um and then another thing, just 256 guys are drafted, and there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of guys who are just entering their athletic prime. And to have one league for that is a shame. Um, XFL is a great way to bring more of these guys in their athletic prime and just help them reach their ceilings. And if they go on to the NFL, great. If not, then they just capitalized on uh, what they had and got to experience the best of what they could do. And I think that's a great thing for football and for people. Okay, Isaac, so uh, we're, we're getting to the end of our show, and uh, obviously I feel like uh, us and our viewers know you better, but I want to I wanna ask a couple lightning round questions to you, a little family feud action style. Let's lay it on. Uh, so, for starters, Isaac, who's your favorite NFL football team? Favorite NFL football team, the Denver Broncos. Boo, Ooh. we were afraid so. Boo. Unfortunate. Boo. I don't, I don't understand the hate. As, I... I grew up in Denver, Colorado. You know what, Dalton? I can respect that. At least he lived where his team is, and I live where my team is. You don't even know why you're a Green Bay well, Packers. Hold on, hold on, hold on a minute. My dad was from Michigan. Ah, and nobody wants to be have a you Lions ever been to Michigan? fan. Have you ever been to Michigan? I have not. Have you been to Wisconsin? I have not. Ah, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, you know, I know. At least the Packers and the Broncos. I know have Aaron Rodgers. In the last 20 years. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, know, I know Aaron Rodgers is your daddy, but, you know, at least me and Isaac are from our hometown where our team Whatever. is. Okay, so next question, Isaac. And. Sadly, you, you already mentioned this, so I guess you've already answered it, but who's your favorite player in the NFL? Favorite player? I'm going to have to go with George Kittle right now. He's electric on the field. He's a personality off the field. He's fun to watch. He's fun to listen to, and I imagine he's fun to be around. Um, certainly, if you said you get to spend a day with George Kittle, I would take it. Um, you know, I've had favorite players in the past. Uh, Rod Smith for the Denver Broncos was my favorite player growing up. Um, still one of my all-time favorites, but as of right now, George Kittle is the ideal tight end, the prototype, the man to be, and uh, be lying if I wasn't all in on being his fan right now. Okay, Isaac, what is your best, and it can be college, high school, peewee football, I don't care, is your best football memory ever? My best football memory ever would be, you know, I'm going to go with two. We're going to go back to middle school. Um, I had just moved on to a new football team, and we took a team that had gone 0-8 the year before, and then I'd come in, and it's a bunch of kids who love to play football and who want to win. They are just missing one piece. And this is no knock on the kid at quarterback there, but he wasn't getting it done. But he didn't want to be a quarterback, to be fair. And, you know, I got placed on this team, and 
those coaches are still some of my favorite coaches ever. And I'll tell you what, we went 11-0 and that season. We won. It was called the Carnation Bowl. We went from an 0-8 team all the way to 11-0. and And that is definitely one of my favorite football memories. Um, in more recent memories, one of my favorite moments in games was the Lehigh-Georgetown game at Georgetown my junior year. Um, Georgetown had never beaten Lehigh literally ever in the history of the program. And Lehigh comes in, and we are feeling strong. This is our year to beat Lehigh. And it was a battle of a game. I'm going to be honest, I don't even know if I had a catch in that game. But it comes down to the fourth quarter, and it's a tie game, and we're running power all over them, which basically puts me on the DN. It's a one-on-one battle. And we had been battling the whole game, but we're starting to move the ball. Well, time runs out, and it's a tie game. So we go into overtime, and it's me and this DN warring, and it's power time because power's been working. And, uh, you know, he was fighting his tail off. We were both exhausted. It was two guys just leaning on each other for a little while because we were so tired. But, uh, you know, we score. They answer back. It goes double overtime. And we said, run more power. So we line up. And uh, I didn't know this, but this was about to be the second to last play of the game. So I line up, and we run power again. I hit him, and I felt his quit hit him right at that moment. And that's when I knew it was going to be a long run. I was like, oh, man, this might be the one. Uh, Jackson Saffold's in the backfield. He makes it all the way down to the two- or three-yard line. And uh, we look over the sideline, and they signal in power again. And this is where I'm like, you know what? We just won this game because I'm going to bully this guy. I'm going to make this block. And uh, made the block. Jackson walks in for a walk-off double overtime touchdown and – the film we save the clip it goes on for about a minute it's people running on the field backflips celebrations uh that was one of the most exciting games of my life double overtime we finally beat lehigh for the first time in team history and uh you know i was i wasn't the highlight of the play some one of the offensive linemen got a pancake but i felt damn proud of myself for having two stellar blocks going into the end zone and uh, the final question I want to ask you, Isaac, is is what is your why? Why why do you play football? What what led you to play football? Yeah, you, there's there's a few there's a few reasons why. Um, going back to third grade, I had played soccer and baseball, and my best friend said, "Why don't you try football? You love it. You watch it. We play Madden. Why don't you come out and try it?" And I was like. No, I don't really want to. And he pushed me, pushed me, pushed me, and finally I played, and I never looked back. So there was always the love and passion for football. That's what got it started. But what keeps me going is uh, twofold. Uh, My parents gave up a lot. Um, I know we didn't have family vacations. Um, Football can get expensive in Little League and high school because you buy all your own gear. So I know that there were sacrifices made. You know, we lost whole weekends. Um, I had practices, so I was there late. Um, there were sacrifices made by my, me and my whole family. And the sacrifices they made to get me to Georgetown and to allow me to play football is a huge reason why I keep going because I've been given a, an opportunity and I'm not going to waste it. Um, the other part of this is, you know, I believe that God's given me a talent to play football. And I believe that when you've been given something that you should be maximizing what you've been given. Um, and so part of my 
why here on this earth is maximize my talents. And right now, one of my talents is playing football, and it's my job to maximize my ability to play football. And it certainly helps that I love it. So, you know, Sam Houston State is the next step in maximizing my ability to play and my potential. And uh, that's the gift God's given me, and I'm going to run away with it. So my very, very, very last question, because you are such an old head, you look about 31, you've been playing for 100 years, what is your advice to freshmen coming in for the first year of college football? You know, whether it's training camp, whether it's fall season, you know, what what advice could you give them for their college career? Um, advice for freshmen coming in, I would say know what you're getting into. This is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. Um, certainly this isn't the military. You're not making sacrifices with your life, but this is the hardest thing you've probably ever done. This isn't high school your classes are going to bully you. Football is going to be difficult. You're going to be tired, exhausted, and stressed. Uh, college football is stressful, and it's difficult. But I'll tell you what, if you can get through that first semester, that first year, um, and better yet, find a way to enjoy it, it's a, an opportunity you won't regret, and it'll be memories that you'll have the rest of your life that you'll be happy you had and you didn't give up on. Um one of the worst feelings is giving up on something you had going for you. Don't do that. Give it your all. Maximize your ability, your potential. Make friends and uh, enjoy your time doing what you get to do for a very short time in your life before you get into the professional world and you no longer get to play football. Well, Humph, I mean, that was a great episode. Uh, I, I, I thoroughly I, enjoyed that. I think it's safe to say that we both love having Isaac around in he the locker room. And definitely be on further or uh future shows yeah so we we hope you enjoyed uh you will definitely be hearing from isaac later in more episodes and we will see you next week for our next episode